Welcome to Plastering Talk Down Under, brought to you by Warboard Tools. This podcast was created to start more conversations around key topics in the Australian plastering industry. My name's Lee Ryan, and I'm the technical specialist here at Warboard. Today, we're going to get excited about Trimtech's beads. It's amazing the endless possibility these beads can achieve. Having used them a lot myself when contracting, chances are when you're finishing a detail you've never attempted before, Trimtex has the solution. The beads are well known for bringing projects to life and putting a touch of artwork in plastering. I have the pleasure of introducing Mike Garcia, the Vice President of Sales at Trimtex. Mike is a very well-traveled around the globe and has extensive knowledge in the plastering and construction industry. Welcome, Mike. Hello, sir. Thanks for inviting me to your podcast. And uh, I think I'm going to have to have you repeat that last bit to my boss so that he knows I'm well-traveled <laughs> and well-experienced. But no, always great, great to spend time with our friends down under. So thank you. It's a great intro there, mate. <laughs> uh, first thing we must know, Mike, is what is Trimtex? And could you give us a quick history overview? Absolutely. Um, so Trimtex is a family-owned U.S. manufacturer. Uh, and we've been engineering and producing innovative drywall finishing solutions for over 50 years. Our company is a, in its second generation of the Koenig family, which has plans to take us to 100 years and beyond. So uh, we're all really proud to be a part of that. But a little bit on the history, I'm going to try not to go too, too long on it, but give you some of the, the highlights and some interesting things most don't know about us. So I'm going to take you back to 1969 when our founder, Joe Koenig Sr., started Trimtex. It's truly a, a great story you know, of an entrepreneur that, you know, just with grit and determination, was able to you know, create this great business that we have now. But what most people don't know is that he failed twice with two other extrusion companies before he got to Trimtex. So the first business uh, that he started was uh, extruding plastic for awnings uh, that went on houses back when they were installed pretty much on every home. And, you know, the reasoning for that, just air conditioning wasn't around then and uh, or, you know, mainstream. So the awnings provided that shade around the windows and entryways to help cool the homes down. The business did well until air conditioning really came onto the scene and then awnings just became unnecessary. So that was the first business that he started and, and ended up failing. The second company uh, he started, it, it was actually called Vinyl Techs. And so Joe was the first to introduce vinyl siding to the U.S. market. There were a number of factors that led to the company closing. But before that happened, Joe was asked by a, a prominent gypsum supply dealer if he could make uh, a J trim that would cover the rough edge of drywall. So mm -hmm. he then created what's called the J-Bead now in 1968, which would become the product that launched his third company, Trimtex. So after failing in those first two companies, he was able to then get into Trimtex. And uh, in 1969, that's when we went into mass production on the J-Bead, which was quickly finding its way around the country as more and more contractors became aware of it. So Joe, you know, would go out and travel. So he was running operations at the company and then he was traveling and meeting with uh, supply yards and contractors to sell the products too. And every time he came back from a trip, he'd have new ideas on new products that he could create. And it wasn't until 1989 when his son, uh, Joe Koenig Jr. came into the company and ran the uh, plant operations with a main focus on the equipment, the tooling, and our plastic suppliers. Not many know that, you know, because of the, you know, the failure of the company before, you know, we were having trouble getting plastic to actually use in our products. So that's when they had to find an alternate source to get material to extrude. And uh, we, that's when we started recycling. So we would go find other companies and we would buy their scrap from them and reprocess that and create our products because we couldn't buy virgin material. Um, so 
it was just very interesting to hear how Trimtech came to be uh, when I first heard this story nine years ago. But uh, in the to you know during that period of time when the two of them were working together, they created many different products and uh, had over fifteen patents. Today we have close to thirty different patents on profiles that we've created. And uh, but in the mid '90s, Joe Jr. Uh, he took the Trimtech reins. And from there, uh, the company began to explode with growth as he continued to add new products to our offering that solve problems for drywall contractors in the field. So that's our the shortest way I could give you some of our history. Oh, that's awesome, man. Like it really is. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, will enjoy hearing that sort of history. And, and what's your role entail with the company, Mike? Yeah, so uh, currently right now, um, I'm the vice president of sales. I started with the company nine years ago, and uh, but that's not the position I came in. I started out as the customer service manager. And um, you know, I'll tell you just a little bit about that role because that's really what kind of springboarded me into where I'm at today. You know, when I came in, uh, little backstory, I came from the insurance industry and uh, on the claim side, especially. So customer service there is, vastly different <laughs> so you don't really have uh many people that are happy about their claim experience so i came from, i came from that and um coming into trim Techs, my first question was let me see your complaint log and you know i got handed this little manila envelope with two pieces of paper in it and i said so is this for from today and they said no that's ever i'm like oh <laughs> all right so what am i doing here <laughs> and um but what, what Trimtex was really in need of at, at that stage was just modernizing the department with, um, you know, better computers, better systems on how we file things, you know, better processes altogether, not to improve our customer service, but to, you know, make it more efficient without messing up what we already do really well. So, um, so right then and there, you know, the company I had come from, they were, uh, paperless. If you had paper on your desk, you got written up, you know, so here everything was paper. We had a typewriter that they still used. <laughs> so it was pretty incredible. But, uh, so that was where I really knew I could add value. And I spent four years in that role, but Joe, you know, he always had me working with the sales team and I went out to all the shows. I traveled with people on the sales team. I met the customers that, you know, I can't think of enough for giving me that experience because that is really what allowed me to start seeing, okay, we've made all of these great changes in, in customer service. You know, now let's start seeing, you know, what can we do in, on the sales end? You know, when I came to the company, there was four salespeople, you know, for the entire country. So it's a big space to cover, which is four people. You know, today we've got, uh, we're at about 15. With that growth, you have to have better structure. You have to have better systems and processes in place. So that's where I spend, you know, in the past five years in the current role I'm in, I've spent a lot of time there trying to improve, you know, our systems and processes, you know, so that we can focus more on our customers and less on, you know, manual work and putting this information here so we can deliver a better experience. Yeah, well, that's cool. And have you ever been to Australia before, Mike? <laughs> uh, that, that is a funny story. Um, so, yeah. Like that. <laughs> I know you know. Yeah. So, funny thing about it is I've been once and I booked my flight, but it took me about three years to get there. <laughs> and um, so, what ended up happening is um, I was coming out to visit Jim and, and uh, Stuart. So, I booked my flight. And about two weeks, well, no, I'm sorry. It was about a week before. Um, I was in Phoenix, Arizona for a show and uh, I got really sick. So I had this really bad sinus infection and my three and a half hour flight back to Chicago, I was in so much pain from the pressure in the plane. You know, it was just crippling. And I had to leave for Australia. I think it was two or three days later. And I'm like, there's just no way I'm going to sit on a, a 15 and a half hour flight. You'd probably hear in the news about a flight getting diverted to Hawaii to get somebody off the plane, probably. So I ended up canceling my trip. 
And we ended up sending Noe, who's one of our technical sales reps. We sent him in my place for that trip. So then a year later, rebook my trip again. And this was the one that was about two weeks before that trip. That was on a Sunday. I took my daughter to a trampoline park to go have some fun and jump around. I ended up breaking my ankle at the trampoline park. So, you know, just bad luck. And, you know, of course, so I send a picture to uh, Jim and Stuart of me laid up on the couch with a cast on my foot. Uh, And I said, I don't think I'm going to make it, guys. (laughs) So that was the second trip that um, I did not make. So third time was the charm. I actually made it. No injuries. Um, And it was funny, the moment I got off the plane, uh, when I got into Brisbane, um, you know, there's a guy walking next to me, like, excuse me, can you, can you take a picture of me real quick? And, uh, I lean <laughs> out and I kiss the ground and the guy's looking at me like I'm nuts. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I finally made it. And I think pretty much, I'm pretty sure everybody on your team and even my team back at home were taking bets on whether I was going to make it or not the third time. So yeah. And what was your, what was your highlight of uh, visiting Australia? Oh, it's, it's such a beautiful country and people are, are just so nice. You know, as far as building too, you know, buildings are very similar to, to what we do here. Little differences here and there, but I, I think that I just love being there and, and the sights and it's a good time. I think Jim mentioned to me something that you uh, drank a lot of tequila while you're here at some stage <laughs> as well. Yes, um, I think I spent some time with, uh, well, pretty much each of the sales guys on your team. So, yeah, there was a lot of that. <laughs> uh, well, there's lots of great trim tech speeds, Mike, and I'm, I'm interested to know what's your favorite bead and why? Oh, my gosh. That's, uh, <laughs> that's like trying to pick your favorite child. Well, let's see. I would have to say I got, I got to do a, quick, a little range here. I can't really pick one for you because um, there's so many different applications, right? I would say for a normal corner bead, um, you know, 90 degree corner bead, there's two of them. There's the, the rigid closed angle. You know, the reasoning for that one is um, we developed that to be, to kind of mimic a metal corner bead. And it has a little bit more of a closed angle. It, it, it allows for adjustment for core framing, um, which, you know, Framing is not perfect, right? So, um, oh, we all know that. Yeah, exactly. The painter will fix it. Don't worry. But um, so basically, uh, that one's that's one of them. And then a newer product of ours, Fast Edge Paper. And the the reason I love that product is we've always been a vinyl extrud- extrusion company. We never wanted to make something that had paper on it. That was our competition. When we started to really listen to our our customer, our end users, you know, you find that look, they just want the paper on it. You know, that is that's it, it works for them. They're not having problems, and we started to realize that if we just created a product and you know laminated it, people would buy that from us because they know that we make a great product. So that took us a while. You know, we were developing that for almost two years. Uh, because we'd never done something like that before. And when we finally brought that to market, it's been incredible. Uh, the acceptance of it, you know, selling it is fun. So, you know, that's, I'd have to say that's, that's my uh, newer corner bead that I love. Switching away from corner beads, if I have to go to, um, you know, some truly innovative problem-solving products, I got to pick a, a really old one that you'll pro- you and uh, your listeners will probably know of. And, and some rather new ones they might not have heard of. Um, but the, the older one that's been around for a long time is Magic Corner. Um, yeah. That product, uh, it just, it's, it was a fantastic idea back in the day. I mean, you, had, you have a raked ceiling, you've got you know, cracks that always form. And to co-extrude a rigid vinyl with uh, flexible in the middle, you know, you'll never have a crack. So I just... I love that product, you know, for, for the problem that it solved and just, you know, it was such an innovative idea at that time. So, and the last one is again, a newer type of innovative product through a partnership we have with Semco is our fire and sound products, which they're not readily available in Australia yet. 
Um, we'd have to get some testing done because the standards are a little bit different there than they are in the U.S. But truly, um, you know, being able to combine our, you know, innovative vinyl trims for head of wall details or base of wall and putting an intumescent strip for fireproofing on that, um, we're speeding up the install process eliminating the need for fire caulking, which can be messy and, you know, takes quite a bit of experience to do it correctly. Um, mm. You know, now you can pretty much, you know, grab it in 10 foot sticks and just stick it up there and move on to the next run. Uh, you can use some of your newer labor, you know, to put this product in. So, you know, we're really excited about those products. There's probably about seven of them right now for various mm -hmm. details. Um, but those have just been exploding in growth because of the problems that they solve and the efficiency gains you get from them. So that's another one that's one of my favorites. And I guess I didn't pick one. I picked the whole group. <laughs> that's so good. I, I'm really looking forward to those beats uh, hitting the Australian market. I, I think they'll, they'll be amazing. So no, that, that will be cool. I'm looking forward to fly out there and uh, go around with you to sell them. So we'll educate everyone together. Hopefully it doesn't take me three years to get out there. <laughs> That's <laughs> all good, mate. I'll have the wheelchair waiting for you. <laughs> Thanks. All shadow and reveal beads have a recommended internal and external radius in our catalogs. I get this question frequently if it's possible to use a heat gun to achieve a tighter radius than we recommend or put cuts in the bead to achieve this. Is this something that Trimtex would recommend? It's a great question. Um, so we most we certainly recommend doing that with our flex grid angle you know to straighten it out after flexing it inward uh because it kind of waves and that works beautifully but um with reveals it's a little different because there's no flexible on those it is possible you know i don't want to say it's not possible the only issue is if a contractor were to do that with a heat gun you've got to be very careful not to overdo it um because when you go too far it's going to start to deform the profile you know it could actually close the reveal up and then you know you look at that up on the ceiling you're going to know if that starts to wave on the actual reveal um so i would say no i don't recommend it but if you needed to get a little bit more and you are willing to sacrifice a piece or two to get it right then you know have mm. that so i've seen you know, we've always put in our instructions the best way to install and um, but contractors know what they're doing best. And, you know, they've proven to us things that can be done with our products that we didn't think of before. So, you know, I never want to say no, but, you know, I just say be cautious if you're going to do that. And cutting the beat more, Mike, is that really recommended? I, I know that you sort of have a T that it's is is that kind of the tease really recommended as where you can cut it other than that it's probably not a good idea so i guess you know when i look at the radius chart you know it's for if you're trying to flex it to an inside radius or an outside radius um over the surface of the bead so you know if you were cutting it then in a way you're kind of cutting the mud bumps uh you know so I don't know how you would finish that, you know, because you're not actually cutting the mud legs like you would if you're doing like an arch bead kind of. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure that I'd say the heat gun's got you've got a better shot with the heat gun than you do with cutting the bead. Yeah. yeah. When you think of how to finish tricky plasterboard details, Trimtex automatically comes to mind. Can you give us an insight as to how you develop these solutions for customers? Yeah, it's uh, it. It's actually, it's a simple answer, but I am always shocked by how much companies struggle with this. And I'm not saying we're perfect at it ourselves, but, um, you know, there's a, a phrase that, you know, open your ears and close your mouth. <laughs> so aside from, you know, maybe asking more questions, but listening to your customers, uh, listening to the end users, they're going to tell you, you know, what's bothering them, what they're having trouble with. You know, and if you're look, if you're constantly looking for the, that, um, you're going to come up with a, so many products that you know can address those issues. Now, you know, are they are they scalable? You know, does everybody have this problem? 
that's something through experience we've learned that you know one a problem for one person is not for the masses so we may not want to go into full production on that product but yeah it's just being curious and trying to learn what your customer is doing with your products now and and also what they're doing with other products that aren't you know maybe you don't even make something like that and you don't plan to but you might see a way you can help them with that other product with something you can create so so yeah i, I there is a, there is a saying too to go back to what i was saying that we share on our sales team uh because really you know our sales team is out there they're getting on job sites they're meeting with the end users and it's you have two ears and one mouth you should listen twice as much as you speak so that i think is uh you know a good motto to go by and you will you'll learn a lot from your customers so you know again we want to understand our customers business so we can find ways to help them be more successful and many of our products they came from identifying a problem that needed solving you know an example for we were trying to figure out you know i know the metal corner beads are extremely popular in your market and our corner one of our corner beads wasn't really working out so through talking with your team and some of your end users you know we came up with the slimline corner bead so it didn't use as much compound and, and could mimic more of a metal corner bead and that was a solution you know for your market but you know if we weren't listening or asking questions on how to do better we wouldn't have come up with that product well this probably times in well a pretty hot topic mike about external corners and impact resistance metal obviously in the australian market has been regarded better for its impact resistance this could be a misconception could you explain how plastic performs an impact testing and what goes on behind the scenes it's my favorite topic to talk about so i do believe overall there is a misconception um most most people only look at you know if the bead was damaged or or not um but they don't look further to say okay both got damaged but which one's easier and faster to repair and that's that's the second piece to it if you're just thinking about metal versus plastic which stronger you know you're, you're naturally going to think metal you know metal is a stronger material but in a corner bead it's so thin that you know that strength is not necessarily there now i do have to say in the australian market you guys do have an excellent metal corner bead so i have to give credit where credit is due it does perform far better than the metal corner beads in the US market. But, you know, what I've noticed is with a with a metal corner bead, once they fail and collapse, it stays that way. So, you know, if, if it dents in all the way, it's there, it's dented, it's not coming back. So to try and repair that and, you know, pull out the corner or, or metal, it's never going to be the same. You almost want to cut that piece out and put something else in. Would you agree? yeah definitely so you know with with a vinyl corner bead you know with, with with any plastic it wants to absorb that impact and return back to its original shape so uh and in most cases it will you might get a crack you know you might get some you know some mud flaking off of the of the edges but in for the most part it's going to come back to its shape and that in most cases is, is easy to repair without cutting out that section throw a few staples in throw some more mud on it you're done now i say that and you know anybody if they took a bat to a corner you know you're going to destroy it so whether it's metal or plastic there's a certain amount of force that these things can withstand but you know unless you got a two inch steel corner on there you're you're going to damage it with a bat we do try to do uh, in, impact tests with standard weights, and we gradually move the weight up until we see failure. In our comparisons, when we drop the weight onto the onto a fully finished corner, you know we're able to outperform uh, metal corner beads and outperform in the repairability. Pretty rare that you really do get super impacts on external corners, you know, unless you're in a a commercial scenario where it's a high trafficable sort of area it is a very slim chance that an external is going to cop like sort of severe amounts of force 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that that's just, it, it's also just like you're saying, it's where's the, where's it being put, right? And that is, that, that plays a big role in it too. But I do believe that, you know, there is that misconception out there, but I, I, I would say also you're, you're going with, you're going against habit too. Contractors out there have, you know, it's just my father used this product. My grandfather used this product. Metal corner beads been around forever. It's the first one. People are resistant to change naturally. So, you know, you introduce this plastic corner bead now and like, eh, I don't know about that. You know, that's our constant battle. And it is a bit of an interesting time at the moment. I'm not sure what it's like in your own market, but metal is going up and up in, in pricing. And from what I understand, like sort of plastics, you know, probably still going up at the same time, but not to the degree that metal is, is yeah, it's, um, you know, definitely last year and the beginning half of this year, you know, I believe we saw metal at its highest and, you know, just speaking in the States really, but I'm sure it's similar there. It's quite incredible. It's the first time that a, a standard plastic corner bead was actually a lower cost than a metal standard metal corner bead by a huge margin. <laughs> so um and it was uh you know so we what we set to do was okay our main pushback when we try to you know convert somebody from a metal corner bead to a, a plastic corner bead is the price now that's out the door you know so now we've got an opportunity to get them to at least try it and um and we've been we've seen a lot of success um whether it was converting paper metal users to our corner beads or just a standard metal corner bead user. We've seen even as you know the, the metal prices are coming down, they're staying with the plastic corner beads, which is fantastic. You know, that was the opportunity that we were hoping for so we could get past that initial barrier of resistance to change. And then they could really see the benefits of using uh, a plastic corner bead. What are some of the other misconceptions that you hear about in relation to plastic beads? Um, you know, the one that I feel is, um, it's been around forever is that it's cheap. And I don't mean that at, by cost, because, you know, I just said that, you know, before, you know, the metal prices shot through the roof, we were actually always more expensive compared to a standard metal corner bead. But I mean cheap from the standpoint of you hold it in your hands, it feels flimsy, you know, it's, it'll flex on you. And, you know, I think that not all plastics created equal, right? Not all manufacturers extrude the same way. When you buy a metal coil and you form, you roll form it into a corner bead, you know, it's all, that all depends on the type of steel that you're, the steel roll that you're able to buy at that moment. But forming it, you know, that process is, that doesn't really necessarily impact the performance of that product. Where with plastic extrusion, there's so many factors that go into it where, you know, we have with our base material, our recycled PVC, we've got sometimes eight different additives that we mix into it to help with that product's performance. You know, if it's got a very visible surface, you know, we want it to have a consistent matted finish so that it's easier to paint. If it's completely covered, we may not put as much in there, but we'll put more impact resistance material in there. You know, so doing that, you know, then also during the extrusion process, you've got to make sure that you're controlling all the temperatures so that it's, it comes out even, that it's, you know, a consistent product. And not every manufacturer, A, puts in the extra additives, and B, controls the extrusion process with an operator where you ensure bad pieces don't get into a box. So, you know, unfortunately, not all, but there's some, you know, manufacturers out there that, you know, they don't put that care into the product and it, it does give plastic corner trims that kind of cheap stigma. But um, I would say the same thing for a metal corner bead too. If you compare the Australian metal corner bead to what we have here, mostly in the States, you'd have that same, same issue. So, mm. but that's, that's the main one that I hear as far as, you know, some of the misconceptions you know the other one too is the environmental concern you know with pvc any plastic really you know that's just something that's top of mind for many people 
But when you think about it, you know, we use plastic for everything. It's one of the most, PVC especially is one of the most versatile plastics out there. It's very necessary for construction, you know? So it's just a, I think it's more educating, you know, we have to do a better job to educate on the benefits, you know, of why using these products, plastic products is better, you know, and, and will last longer in a building. Mm. I can vouch myself having used a lot of Trimtex beads throughout my, you know, contracting days and things like that. Just the tearaway strip and, uh, you know, how, I guess, consistent it always was to be able to pull that tearaway strip off. You know, if you used another brand on the market, you were having to use like a, a knife to cut it before you tear it away. Uh, yeah. And it becomes quite a <laughs> It starts lifting your set. Next thing you know, yeah. like you're fixing up sort of a problem, and that's why I always lean towards using the Trimtex beads because they always had that sort of same consistent quality every time you use them. Well, I appreciate you saying that, and that is, um, you know, I'm looking forward to when we get you out here to Trimtex. Um, I know we're trying to plan to do that soon, so you can see our operation and how we make it. Every every product comes off the line there's a human that is looking at that piece before it goes into the box we don't have auto packaging we have machine operators 20 plus years experience and if they see something's off on the product they're going to they're going to throw it into this bin that's near their extruder and then we'll grind it back up and we'll try again so but they will not let bad product get into a box and consistency is one of the things that we bring to the table and i my credit i, I give all the credit in the world to our production team because you know it's not easy to do that but that's one of the one of our differentiators okay mike we probably touched on this a little bit before but let's talk rake ceilings they have lots of structural movement and can be a bit tricky to finish. What bead do you recommend for these types of applications? Raked ceilings. I knew what raked ceilings were, but I had to tell one of my uh, one of my people in marketing here what a raked ceiling was. So I'm like, bolted ceiling. It's bolted. But yes. So raked ceilings, uh, magic corner, what I told you about earlier, that is hands down the best product that you could use in one of those applications. And that's because of that flexible center. So you're going to, that thing's going to stretch before you'll ever get a crack forming. You know, we've tested that product on a jig where, you know, what it'll do is it'll slowly pull it. It locks onto the uh, mud legs and it'll slowly pull it apart. And we were able to actually stretch the magic corner center a full inch before it failed. So, you know, that's just how much movement you can get. And quite frankly, if you get a move, if you get a one inch movement out of your ceiling, there's bigger problems there. So I think you're safe using magic corner in those, those applications. And then we're talking about the top of the apex, but it also too is like where the wall meets the, the angle correct that you would use the magic corner yeah and you know because you do get you're going to get some movement in those areas too you know and that's that's just a it's an area that i think you know you can use that but you can also get away with using some other inside corner products as well because i think you get much more movement in the in the apex of the ceiling than you would do in that in that lower area you know we do have a product coming out soon that will be able to be used in that in that area too and you know that's going to be our fast edge rolled product that's uh, going to be coming soon so that'll be similar to your no coat rolls that you might see in your market and we predominantly use glue and staples to apply the trim text bead however mud on beads have been a great innovative way to apply the beads i'm curious to know has this product performed and what are the key benefits for the customers? Um, great question. And so it really depends on, you know, what the contractor is trying to accomplish. We sell both 
And, you know, I can, as an example, you know, here in, in the States, there could be union preferences, depending on how, how the work is, is chopped up. There's some markets where the carpenters are the ones that install the bead. They want to use glue and staples. Um, then there's other markets where the finishing union workers, they're going to install the bead. So they want to use the mud on beads. So that's one of the big preferences that we see. So we try our best to make sure both ways that you do it, they're going to be, they're, they're going to hold up. They're going to be impact resistant. You know, the product is going to, is going to perform, but going through, going to, you know, specifically your question on the mud on beads and their advantages. I believe that you can move a lot faster installing a mud on bead um, because you're not going to the wall, spraying the glue, going and picking up your bead, sticking it on, going and grabbing your staple gun and stapling down. You know, you're just running the bead through a hopper and sticking it on the wall. And then usually in most cases, you're either going to wipe it or you're going to fill coat right away, depending on the product. So there's that piece um, specific to Trimtex mud on corners. We patented mud locks and the first product we released was our mud set bead. What mud locks are is it's kind of almost like a hook that runs along the bead and we have them all the way from the apex on the inside to the edge of the bead. So what those do is when you run the you know, product through the hopper or you know you put the mud on the wall and, and stick the bead to the wall, they act almost like suction cups and they really key into the mud. They become a part of that wall. So the impact strength is far greater, you know, on those types of products. Whereas you still get great impact strength out of a glue and staple up bead, but you have to understand that, you know, if you put the glue on the wall and, you know, maybe you put it on too soon or you put it on too late, you may not get as much adhesion as getting right in that sweet spot. You don't put as many staples as you should that can impact it. So it's just a different, uh, a, a little different type of performance. Still, you know, great performance, but I think you get more impact resistance out of the mud set beads. Yeah, I've, I've definitely uh, used a bit of the mud on beads and done a bit of impact testing myself. And I can say it definitely has a better adhesion to the wall. Yeah. And, and a big piece of that is the mud locks. And, I, and I'll say that, you know, even when you test it against a paper face metal bead, Paper face metal, you know, has a pretty good impact resistance too. I'd say more so than a metal corner bead, but when you put it up against our mud set bead with the mud locks, I think that particular product is probably one of the strongest corner beads out there. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk to us about the women in drywall series, Mark? Oh, yes. Um, so we created that series a while back and and really it starts with our belief that a good drywall finisher can come from anywhere and look like anyone let's face it you know this has always been a male dominated business but we're starting to see a shift uh, and really we think that's great it's needed you know encouraging more women to join the drywall finishing trades we think it can really help with the labor shortages around the world it's a struggle here. I know in the States, I'm not quite sure how it is in Australia, but to get the younger generations into the trades and, you know, why, why wouldn't we try to get more women? And that's just, that's, you know, another group that we need to encourage to join in. That's why we created our women in drywall series so that we can, you know, highlight and share the stories of many women around the world that have built careers for themselves in the drywall trades. And, and we want to highlight that. One specifically, Alice Brooking, she's from New Zealand. We did a highlight on her. You can find her on Instagram. We also have what's, a- What's she called on Instagram, Mike? Is it? Um, you know what? I'd have to check. I think it's just, I think she's just under Alice Brooking. But, uh, but yeah, so she, we do have uh, in our Women in Drywall section on our website, we have a, a write-up with her along with the other women that we've followed from different areas. But yeah, she, she comes from a family of tapers and she found a career for herself. And uh, she's got a really cute picture of her taping with, uh, with her little baby on her chest. So it was in one of those little slings. But yeah, so that's just something that we want to do our part to encourage and see if we can 
highlight those out there that are showing and proving that the viable option for women. And hopefully it'll encourage more people to join. No, definitely. Uh, I think too, I don't, I don't know why, but it seems to be that they like setting as well. A lot of sort of women that you find in the industry are really sort of honed in on that sort of setting side of plastering. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, it, it's definitely, it's an art form to be able to do it really well. My hat's off to those that can do it. I am probably the worst when it comes to trying to finish a wall. Um, I've tried, it's not pretty. Um, I can hang board tight, you know, I could build, a, I could frame a wall out, I can run electrical, but you put a taping knife in my hand and it's gonna get ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe when you're here, we could uh, help you out in some way. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm far beyond saving, but we could try. <laughs> We're constantly amazed by the projects we see with Trimtex being the key feature in them. And as mentioned previously, the solutions are truly incredible. Are there any projects of late that you've seen that you're truly amazed by? Oh, good question. You know, one thing that, I am amazed by is there's so many buildings, you know, wherever I'm traveling, you know, I can look at that building if it, and, and I can say there's a good chance that there's a Trimtex product in it. And it's just, we don't, those go unnoticed because we, you know, primarily sell it, or we do, we, we only sell our products through distribution. In most cases, we don't know where it's going, but as of late, when we have more specialized products, the fire and sound products, um, some more of our commercial products, we're starting to get on more of those job sites to help educate the uh, installers on, you know, the right way to install and, you know, the different tricks to get around that de detail or this one. So now, you know, we're starting to see more of these projects that we're actually going into and, and we've started to create case studies around those, which we put on our website to highlight some of those specific products. What's funny is I find myself and you know, it's just kind of one of those for the past nine years, ever since I started here at Trimtex, anytime I go into a building, I'm looking at the ceilings, I'm looking at the walls. Yeah, my wife hates it. We go into somebody's house and I'm looking at their trim and everything and it's like, would you stop it? You know? <laughs> You're like me, Mike, I'm exactly the same. I'm siding the XE, making sure it's straight. It's, it's a weird yep. thing. Yeah, they're like, oh my gosh, who was in here? Was this Garcia? No. <laughs> um, but no, there's one actually I wanted to highlight. It was when I actually made it out to Australia last. I went with Jim and Stuart to the uh, the Jewel Towers out in Brisbane. And, you know, we walked that project. So I got to see our shadow reveals being installed there and a few different other products. But I, I'm just always amazed when I get into these large high rises and just you see the the work that goes into those, how many people it takes, how many different products it takes to get to that finished building. And it's just amazing. So, yeah, it, you know, right now, the really cool ones that I've been seeing is the fire products getting installed into, uh, you know, hotels or condo buildings. Those ones I we, we've been tracking a lot more. And so pretty cool projects. In what ways has Trimtex changed over the years and what will always stay the same? <laughs> oh, man, it's a, it's a good question because it, and it reminds me of a quote and uh, I forgot who said it, but uh, so unfortunately I won't get credit right now. But um, it, it was when the rate of change externally surpasses the rate of change internally, the end is near. You know, it just goes to say that you have to constantly keep changing. You can't wait for the market to tell you to change. Otherwise, you're going to be behind the eight ball and you may not make it. We're always trying to improve what we do. As we grow, I would have to say one of the biggest things that have changed is as we've grown, at, you know, our sales force, our production, the products, it's hard to stay focused. And I would say that where our success has come from is we've been able to increase our focus by improving our systems and processes, challenging what we used to do and if there's a better way to do it. I think it's, you know, it's a death march when you go by the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know, mentality. 
because you'll fall behind if you do that. So we've built a culture here that is always looking to improve. You know, is there a better way to do this? Because, hey, look, we might have tried that 10 years ago, but technology's changed since then. So maybe there's something that can do that now. And, you know, the other thing is that when companies grow, obviously we all want to grow. I think that companies lose themselves and who they, who they are because they try to go in so many different directions. And then what ends up happening is what they were really good at, they're no longer the best. So I think that's something we've been able to succeed is grow and change, but stay focused on what we do best. And one of those things that, you know, since, since I started nine years ago, and I know it, it was, it's been a part of our company since its beginnings, is that we've always delivered a great customer experience. And that's an area that we will never compromise on. Our goal is to be the best partner in the industry from our materials, who we buy our materials from, all the way through to you know, the, the contractors that put our product in buildings and everybody in between. So we wanna make sure that if you interact with us, you have a great experience and that's our goal. That's our mission. So that's something that will never change. We'll always focus on a great customer experience. Oh, I couldn't agree more, Mike. I, I love getting out there with contractors and I think it's a passion of mine to help them find the solutions. Having been a plasterer, I get no more enjoyment than being out there with them and, and making them aware of trying to help them in a scenario. And I really think Trimtex kind of is that vehicle for the solution and it's something that you know contractors see great value in yeah absolutely and, and you know what i've seen even too you know especially with my sales team it's yes we're there to sell but you know that's that comes with the relationship right you know you want to understand what they're doing what matters to them and be a partner and sometimes that means i'm not here to sell you anything is there anything i can help you with I've heard numerous stories come through from my team that you help them by suggesting a competitor's product because that was truly what they needed. We didn't have what they needed and that's okay. You know, there'll be a time and a place to find something that TrimTech can do. What we're there for is to, is to be a good partner and, and make sure that they're successful. And if people are looking for resources to understand the full uses of TrimTech speeds, where can they find them? Uh, so multiple places, but the number one is going to be our website. And I will say that depending on when you release the podcast, in a few weeks, we have our new website launching, which is a complete overhaul. It's been 10 years since we've done that with our website. Eh, maybe not quite 10 years, but it's been a while and it needed it. So we're really excited about the new website coming and there's more user content, more education, so you can truly understand our products and it's easy to find things so be on the lookout for that and come visit us you know you'll be able to learn a lot in a short period of time without a lot of hassle but also follow us on you know what your preferred social media platform we're all over facebook instagram twitter we've got it all and you know we're always releasing content to keep you informed on you know what's new what's exciting or who you know out there in the industry are we highlighting right now that's doing awesome awesome work so and is there anything coming out soon we should know about you might have touched a little bit on this before i did um but i'll touch on it again so you know it, what we what we're really excited about that's coming out into the market at uh, in january is um i told you about fast edge paper roll or papers and that's the, uh, the stick product similar to, you know, like a no coat. We've had that out for about two years, but now we're excited to release the rolled product. So we're going to have the 275 size. We'll have the 325, a 375 and a 450 that's coming out in January. And that's going to be available all around the world. So we're, uh, we're really excited for that product. We just finished up our field testing and thumbs up from everybody, no thumbs down. So we're, we're really excited for that. The last thing is our fire and sound products. They're not available yet in Australia, but um, once we're 
going to be getting the necessary testing done so that it uh, conforms to the standards that are required in your market. And once that happens, we'll be bringing those out there to uh, show what the benefits are and how we can make contractors more efficient. That's going to be awesome. I would agree. Done a lot of caulking, like, and uh, <laughs> know how time consuming it is and how tedious it is to do. So to think you could just mount something to metal the metal frame before you put a board on and not have to go back and cork it is just, you know. It's no brainer. It is. <laughs> but you know what? Again, it's old habits die hard, right? We've been caulking for many years and that's that's just what everybody's used to you're used to bidding it that way and you know now you've got this new thing coming out it, it's it's not going to be a you know you'll have resistance but we've had these products out in the states for about three years now it's all about education once people really understand them and what they're going to do and you don't just look at the price per foot you look at the total install cost because you look at it, you know, one of the examples that we use is how many feet can an installer put in or, you know, install as far as with caulk a day. And let's compare that to how, how many feet of these fire products that we create, how many feet can be installed in a day. So, and I know it probably need to change that to meters when we come out there, but, um, you know, it's, uh, we're looking at, I, I think we were at three, three to 400 feet an installer could do with fire caulking in one day. And that's if they're really hustling, you can do 12 and between 1200 and 1400 feet in a day using wow. our fire products. So you have to factor in the labor on it as well. One of the most expensive pieces to a job. And then also you factor in too, you know, errors. A lot of things can happen with caulking. You didn't fill it quite far enough. It's separated from the drywall. There's a number of things that can go wrong. Didn't wipe the dust away before we applied it. There's all of those things that can happen. Whereas with, you know, our products, they come in 10 foot lengths and you stick them to the track. So no prep work necessary and you just run and gun. Too good to be true, Mark. <laughs> We'll bring that dream to you guys soon enough. Uh, thank you so much for doing this podcast with us, Mike. I, I've personally really enjoyed it and couldn't thank you enough. No, and really, thank you for having me. And, uh, and I just want to thank you and the Wallboard team. You know, it's been a, I don't think, you know, many know about the relationship between our companies. You know, it's a 25 plus year relationship between the families and it's just been Fantastic, a fantastic partnership. You guys do, you and your team, you do an excellent job representing TrimTex in the Australian markets. So uh, thank you. And uh, and thank you to you know all of the uh, Aussies that are using TrimTex on a daily basis. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, we're proud to. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. And if there's a topic you'd like us to cover in the future, let us know by following the prompts in our episode notes. Thanks again, Mike. Thank you.